you know, medieval Christian philosophers and theologians of the Christian Catholic persuasion believe that God wrote two books for us. He wrote the book of nature and the, the book of scripture. Another way to say that would be the natural book and the supernatural book. Still today, we Catholics believe that these two books illumine one another, which means that to live the most meaningful life, we need to learn from both books. But the reality is, in most eras of human history, either we're good at one or the other. Multitasking as regards to the two books hasn't been a strong human suit. In general, in our time, we've grown exponentially in our understanding of the natural book by mastering mathematical and scientific concepts like never before. I read an interesting article that called math and science the underpinnings of hum- human society. Hmm, not sure about that. We're not robots after all. We're human beings who were made by God to be with him in this life and also in the next. But the article detailed how scientific knowledge led to dramatic progress and innovation, say, in aviation or our understanding about the environment or astronomy, as well as discoveries about health and biology and space and physics, all very true and important. In all of these areas of study, we ask the important question, what are the facts? We collect and analyze our data about all kinds of things to support a hypothesis or a theory. The scientific method has revolutionized daily life, making our lives more comfortable and long. Cars and airplanes allow us to travel the world over. My friend Father Don is leaving today to go back to Phoenix, where it's warm. It'll take him three hours by flight. Can you imagine how hard that trip would be without the car to get him to the airport or the plane that will carry him home? I can see him on a little donkey for months, right? (laughs) Whining all the way home in search of McDonald's or something. Computers allow us tremendous access. What would I do without GPS, for example? I'd be lost probably in South America by now, have no sense of direction whatsoever. Indoor plumbing has made life more bearable, and that's all I need to say about that, really. When it's cold or when it's hot outside, HVAC makes the temperature steady throughout the seasons. Although, again, Father Don has been just complaining ever since he got here. His southwestern blood was stricken when he discovered that my sister keeps her house at the mid-60s and lower at night. When we visited on Friday, he huddled around the fireplace like he was going to freeze to death. I mean, what a wimp, right? Likewise, in August, in Phoenix, a thermostat set at 80 degrees is not air conditioning, but an abomination of a sin to a Midwesterner. If I sound bitter after all these years, I am, but I digress. Microwave ovens and other kitchen appliances make life so easy to sustain our bodies with nutritious food, antibiotics, and a host of other medical advances keeps us healthier and living longer. So we've grown to understand and progress in the natural world around us in amazing ways, thanks be to God. But there are two books, and our spiritual ancestors knew more about the other book. And I dare say that that we're here because we have a hunch that something is truly missing 
and our modern approach of just math and science. Instead, our knowing facts, instead of knowing facts, the ancients ask, what did things mean? Our ancestors were much better at reading spiritual, moral, and life lessons. They were far more proficient in understanding analogies, a moral of a story, symbolic meaning, philosophy, signs, and so on. A parable, for example, was commonplace and led people to think of higher meaning and truth. Scripture, for example, has dozens of stories about journeys. We think about a journey, we think about plane reservations, getting gas, along with accommodations, finding the best food, the amount of time we can stay off work, etc. But the ancients would, would have pondered what a journey meant and what could be gained from the story that would make life more meaningful. Again, both books are important, but higher truths are found in the poetic or the supernatural, not the scientific or the natural. For example, although I enjoy all the creature comforts that life may can muster in the year 2022, I want to know that I'm loved and cared for by God and by others. I want to have friends and family that lift me up. I crave beauty, like things like art and music that ultimately raise my mind and heart to a higher plane. In short, each era of human history has mastered an art that another hasn't. We are scientists while our ancestors are poets, or were poets. Science doesn't use symbolic or poetic language at all. It could be said that the more we use computers, for example, the more we become like them. As computers are literal and data-driven, so are we in the modern era. Obviously, then, if we could time travel today, we could teach people so much to make their lives better and easier for a thousand or two thousand years ago. But to think that we're superior in every way is the sin of pride. It's also necessary for us to humbly sit at the feet of great philosophers, saints, religious teachers of years gone by, because ultimately their language is the language of Jesus Christ. In our gospel today, we have a series of parables and analogies to consider as we search for the deepest meaning of life and eternity. Perhaps Jesus is speaking directly to us, poking fun at our modern pride, our sense of superiority when he said, can a blind man lead another blind man? Perhaps this is why so many are lost in the shadow of death, blind people leading blind people, because we are blind often to the ways of God. Remove the plank in your own eye before you try to remove a splinter in your brother's. His obvious point is, it's so much easier to obsess about the weaknesses of others than to consider our own many weaknesses. And it also destroys us to obsess about others when we can only fix ourselves. Jesus used that logic when he saved the adulterous woman in the Gospels from st being stoned to death by saying, let he who was out sin cast the first stone. In our modern day, we say people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. 
Jesus also challenges us to ponder what we nurture in the nest of our hearts. A sure indicator of this is what comes out of our mouths. A good person out of the store of goodness, he says, in his heart produces good, but an evil person produces evil, and for, and for from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sirach, in our first reading today, says the same when he ponders, when a sieve is shaken, the husk appears, and so do one's faults when one speaks. Ouch. Maybe we should ask the people who love us the most what we produce from our mouths. What do we speak? Do we sow godly things like love, peace in our troubled world, hope, trust, faith, joy? Or because of the hardness of our lives today, is it more like bitterness, anger, gossip, discontent, and sadness? And when we institutionalize bitterness and anger, we found our, find ourselves in trouble. I heard a preacher once say, show me what you value today, and I will tell you what you will become tomorrow. Will you be a saint, or will you be Ebenezer Scrooge, pre-conversion of heart? Thankfully, Lent starts Wednesday. We're called to withdraw from the world and its distractions so that we can prayerfully focus on the most important question found in sacred scripture from the mouth of Jesus himself. Who do you say that I am? Hopefully, because we're here today, we embrace St. Peter's response. That is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If this is true, we must live what Jesus preached. In the next few days, let us prepare ourselves. Let us think of how we can simplify our lives in the natural world so that we can focus on the supernatural, the eternal things which truly give us peace.